0: Today, I want to continue our study in the book of James and, and pick up on chapter 3. So if you have your Bible, turn to James chapter 3, verse 13, smartphone, whatever you use. And I, I really want to encourage you to pull out your outline today. I encourage you every week. I'm like, don't let a tree die in vain. If you take notes, good. If you don't take notes, take notes. But today, if you don't take notes, you'll be really lost, especially at the end. So I don't want you to be lost, I, I, want, you to, I want you to know where we're headed, and, and, and if you don't take notes at the end, you're just going to kind of be sitting like a bump on a log, and I don't want you to sit like a bump on a log, so, and you don't either. So, so take this, uh, take a, grab a pen, cut yourself, write in blood, whatever you need to do, To uh, just joking, to follow along, and I think it'll be helpful. So, so this idea of wisdom, everybody say wisdom. It's all throughout scripture. This idea of of the ability to apply knowledge to my life. And here, we can know stuff, but you can know how to be a good dad and be a bad dad. You you can know how to to cut your grass and never cut it. There's a difference. Knowledge is what you know. Wisdom is how you apply it. Knowledge is what you learn. Wisdom is how you live. And so throughout the Bible, there's there's this longing, there's this... There's this idea, hey, get wisdom. It started with Solomon. Maybe he's the most famous. Remember Solomon was asked by the Lord, which is kind of unusual. We're usually asking the Lord. The Lord asked Solomon, hey, Solomon, what do you want from me? What can I do for you? And Solomon could have asked for whatever he wanted, but he said, God, you've been good to my, my dad. You've been good to me. And I just need, you know, God, more than anything, you've given me a great people to lead and I just need wisdom. I need the ability to apply divine truth to every and any situation. And God said, that is a, that's a prayer request I can answer. I want to do that for you. And God gave him wisdom and gave him everything else he ever dreamed possible. And that ought to be our prayer. God, I, I want wisdom. And so then he writes a book, and this is what he says. Get wisdom. Get understanding. I mean, it's just this, this push to, to don't forget my words or swerve from them. Don't forsake wisdom. If you have wisdom, she'll protect you. Love her and she'll watch over you. Wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom. Don't live as unwise. Don't, have, don't, don't know something but don't apply it. Apply it to your life. Then Jesus comes on the scene. And, and it's pretty much the same words. If a, a, the wise man built his house upon the rock, what's the rock? It's the truth found in God's scripture. The wise man built his house upon the rock. He was, he was wise in all his dealings. And the floods came and the rains poured and the, and the current rose. But the wise man's house stood firm. It did not crash. And, 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 and if you try to base your wisdom on the world's wisdom, it's, it's going to mess you up. How many thought in 2016 we'd be arguing about who needs to go to the girl's bathroom? I mean, that is this the craziest thing you've ever heard in your life, that the presidents of the United States would pass down an, an action item that every state, they'd lose federal funding if you don't let whoever, whoever wants to, whatever they feel like that particular day, use that bathroom or use that locker room. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, get your head out the sand and and uh, read something because we, th- we just... He Just thank God for senators like a man to Chase and, and for men and governors and women that aren't going to give in to that foolishness and are going to stand on not even, it, it's not, e- well, you're just being hard. You're just, it's not even a Christian thing. It's just a common sense thing. Boys go to boys' bathrooms and girls go to girls. Come on, help me somebody. Is, is that just, that's just the way it ought to work the way it ought to work. And, 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 and if you live, learn, lean on your own wisdom, you know, there's a way which seems right to a man, but it ends in destruction. I'm not wise enough to lead my own life. I'm not as smart as God. I'm not, God's a lot smarter. God's a lot wiser. So, so we've got to find something to base our lives on. It can't be our own understanding. It's been proved that it can't be the world's ways. It, it, that'll ruin us. We've got to base our lives... On, on the wisdom found in God's Word, we've got to have the ability to apply divine truth. Divine truth, which is true for all people, for all cultures, and for all generations. We've got to have the ability to apply the Word of God in our situation, in our circumstance, so we can be successful and prosperous, so that, so that we can be like that tree planted by streams of living water, which bears fruit at, at, in the right season. And so the, Solomon talks about it. Jesus talked about it. And then we get to James, and James says, if and James really is the it's the Proverbs of the New Testament. It's a blueprint for living. It's probably one of the most practical books in the whole Bible. And James is writing to these these Christians that are trying to live out their faith and walk in in holiness. And, And he says, if any man lacks wisdom, because you got a world that's screaming one thing and you got you got teachers that are screaming one thing, and you got these feelings that are saying another thing, but if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, and God will give it to you liberally without finding fault. That's a, that's a prayer request God will answer. You say, Pastor, how do I pray? Well, you ought to pray, God, give me wisdom. It ought to be a daily prayer. It ought to be a consistent prayer. God, I just need your wisdom. I need, I need the ability to, to, to apply the word of God to, to this situation in my life. And then James begins to teach us how to do that. And so he talks about trials, first of all. Let me review with you until we get to our, today's text. And the world, here's the world's wisdom. You're going through a struggle. We'll take a pill. You're going through a struggle. Get high. Go on vacation. Get away from it. You know what James says? This is the wisdom of God. We've got to learn to apply it. Uh, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you encounter various trials. I mean, receive it as, as a work of the Lord because he's working in you to perform and to get you to a place where he wants you to be. You don't have to take a pill. You don't have to escape it. I'm not saying embrace it, but walk through it with your hand in his hand, fixing your eyes on Jesus because you're going to make it through it. You're going to get through it. And when you get to the other side, you're going to be better be- because of it. You know, I hate, I, I grew up in the Hampton Roads area, and I hate going through the Hampton Roads Bridge Tunnel. I still hate it it goes over the it goes under the Chesapeake Bay and, and you you have, have you went in it have you ever went in a tunnel if you haven't went in that maybe you've went in a tunnel and the radio's playing and everything's fine and you get into it and then it starts breaking up and then it starts staticing and then it starts and then it's gone and you're thinking jesus what if one of these tiles break and water rushes into this thing I got to get, and I know you're not supposed to change lanes or, or, or it, it speed up, but I can't help it because and, and, I got to get out of there. The best part of that tunnel is when you're coming up the other side, and you're seeing light at the end of the tunnel, and you're saying, and when you get out, you're, thank Jesus. That, that's the wisdom of God. I might be going through the tunnel now, but God says he's going to protect me. That tile's not going to break over me. I trust in the goodness and the grace of my God. He's going to see me through, and when I get on the other end, I'm going to be better because of it. Uh, we, I have documented my trial right that we're going through, Angie and I are going through. Well, you, many of you know it. That with our little foster daughter, and the courts have told us that she's going back to her daddy in 17 days. And 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 for a foster parent that's had a girl for 19 months, it rips your heart out. And you and you know what I want to do at times? I I don't I wouldn't I don't want to take a pill, but I want to escape it. I want to maybe some Nyquil. I want to get out of it. I, I mean, I want to I want to get you know you know how I want to respond to that? I want to. I want to plant some drugs in her daddy's car so that... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I said that in second service and the, and the police officer started walking down the aisle. I'm kidding. I don't want to do that. My boys have threatened to do that, but we're not, we're not going to do that. But, but in, in, in my... I want to run off... Take her and run off to another country and get as far away from it. My wisdom is I just want to protect her and embrace her. But that's not the that's not the wisdom of God. God says you can re- you can rejoice when you go through trials and just relax because that's what he says in James. Because I'm taking care of it. If I feed the birds of the air and clothe the, I'm just preaching to myself right now. And I clothe the lily of the fields, and if I promise to work all things for my good, I can take care of Maddie. I can work in every situation. Situation. I can cause good to come out of bad. I can do all things through Christ. And nothing is impossible to him who believes. I'm just, that's the wisdom of God. And, it, and, if, and if we're going to be people that live out our faith, we've got to walk in godly wisdom, not earthly wisdom. You know, then he goes on to temptation. Well, how do I deal with temptation? How do I get through it? Well, again, the world says just give in to it. What's the big deal? If it feels good, do it. That's the way of the world. The way of God says, "Eh, no, ho ho, it's going to lead to de- death, it's going to lead to destruction." You got to know I'm not the one tempting you. God says, "Satan's tempting you." And he he plays on your desires. And if you're not careful, you'll get deceived in those desires. And and if you if you get deceived, you'll disobey, and it's going to destroy you. And so hide the word of God. Here's the wisdom of God. So hide the word of God in your heart that you won't sin against me. And get in a community of believers, cuz that's where temptation is best fought. When you're and shoulders with other men and women that are going through the same things you're going through, that have overcome them by the grace of God, that can speak into your life and make a difference for you, and, 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 and just trust in me to get you through. Then last week, well, how do I have wisdom in guard my tongue? Because God knows I've gotten more trouble with my tongue than anything else. And the way of the world is just say it. If you feel, If it's on your mind, just say it. Or if you don't want to say it, just thumb it. Just get it out there for all the... No, God says that's not the wisdom of the... That's not my wisdom. My wisdom is I want you to pause, be slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to become angry. That's the opposite of the world. And he, he says, I want you to pray. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. I want, I want, I want you... Though the tongue is humanly uncontrollable, it's untamable... But divinely, if you allow me to help you, I can give you wisdom to to, to overcome that two-ounce muscle membrane. Though it directs where you go and can destroy what you have, I can help you. Uh, It can be a blessing, not a curse to you. It's the wisdom of God. This morning, we want to talk about relationships. And, And and James. this is the whole, let me read the verse to you, and then I'll break it down, and uh, do you guys mind if I don't use my TV today, I just, I just want to, I don't want to get, let's just go, verse 14, so if you follow along with me, but if you, if you're in the Word, but if you harbor bitter envy, this is all about wisdom in relationships, and that's what James is, is all about, wisdom, harbor selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it, or deny the truth, don't, don't act like it's not an issue with you, that's what James is saying, don't act like this envy is not a problem with you or selfishness, but because it doesn't come from heaven, but it's earthly, uns- unspiritual, and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil in every practice. And, and, and so there's two things, and I'll, I'll, I'll speak to them at, at, a little bit longer here in a minute. But God says, don't harbor bitter envy. I'll talk about what that is. And don't practice selfish ambition. Those things will ruin every relationship that you have. But here's what you need to do. And this is the next part in verse 17. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, it's peace-loving, it's considerate, it's submission, it's full of mercy and good fruit, it's impartial and sincere. Here's the key to the whole the whole passage. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. And that's what we want to do. We want to reap a harvest of righteousness. We want to be peacekeepers, peacemakers, we, blessed are the peacemakers for theirs is the kingdom of God. Jesus is the prince of peace. So how do I have peace in my relationships? How do I have peace with my wife? How do I have peace with my boss? How do I have peace with my kids? How do I have have peace with my coworkers? How do I do that? How do I apply knowledge? How do I live it out? Well, James is going to tell us. Here's what he says not to do. I mentioned it. Take out your outline. Follow along with me. Roman numeral number one, how to be unwise in relationships, harbor bitter envy. Envy is just wanting what somebody else has. And, and, and again, I mean, don't act all holy and proud. And, 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 and this is an issue that we probably all struggle with if we're honest. I wish I looked like them. I wish I could talk like them. I wish I made money like they did. I wish I drove what they drove. I wish I lived where they lived. I wish I had their ability or their talents or their, or their, their stuff. And envy always, this desire for this this idea that I got to compare myself to others and this desire for what other people has always results in bitterness, resentment, and judgment. Envy caused Joseph's brothers to sell him as a slave. Envy caused Cain to kill Abel. Envy caused the Pharisees to falsely accuse Jesus. Envy ruins relationships and ruins lives. Let me tell you some things about envy. Envy leads to insanity. If you're always comparing and always thinking, you miss out on what God wants to do in your life. It's it's King Saul. Remember King Saul, uh, first king of Israel, and he was going along, doing pretty good, not bad. They were defeating enemies, and then he got before Goliath, and he was a little afraid of Goliath. So David comes along, and David takes out those stones and that sling and knocks Goliath dead. And all of a sudden, David seems a little bit better than Saul in the eyes of other people. He's a little bit stronger. He's more courageous. He's more bold. He's more fearless. And Saul begins to get taken with envy. A seed of envy struck in his heart. It was just a seed at that point. It hadn't manifested. It was just a seed. But you start looking at others, and, and it's so easy for a seed of envy. I wish I could have their job. I wish I could do what they do. I wish I could be like them. A seed of envy takes root in your heart. And the, the Bible goes on that Saul took David out to war because he, he was recognized as a skilled warrior. And they were going to do this battle thing together. And they were working, walking arm by arm. And, and David, though Saul killed his thousands, David killed his ten thousands. And on their way back to war, all the women are screaming and shouting. David's all of a sudden a rock star. And, and Saul, the bitter seed flipped in his heart. And he, he just went insane from that day on, from that moment forward. It was, all he wanted to do was destroy David. All he wanted to do. I mean, he didn't care if his kingdom advanced or not. He just wanted to destroy David. He didn't care what happened to anybody else. He just wanted to destroy David. He got so enamored, enamored. he got so fixated on this one guy that he missed out on his potential and his possibility. I wonder what this story could have been if envy hadn't taken root in his heart and manifested in a way that just created insanity. I'm telling you, don't. You know what envy does? Envy stifles celebration. The Bible says that we're to rejoice with those who rejoice. But, but when we're envious, we can't, we don't get excited with other people's victories. It even makes us mad. I caught a, a good friend of mine, pastors a church, and we were talking about Easter, and they just had a great Easter, just like we did. I mean, record numbers, record people getting saved. And the next Sunday, and, and I was just celebrating with them. Man, we were so excited. High five. Praise God. That's awesome. The next Sunday, he had, well, what'd you have the next Sunday? And, and we were right in the middle of spring break, and our numbers dropped drastically after Easter to the next Sunday here. And, and, and I, you know, I was already a little, well, my and he just said, well, our numbers even went further than they did on Easter. And I didn't want to celebrate with him anymore. I wanted to hit him. <laughs> Don't look at me, old holy one, because you want to do the same thing sometimes, whatever your world is. this just This jealousy, this well, you know, and then I start, well, because it's only because you preach, and you only have a service for an hour, and you don't call people to commitment. And, and I'm starting thinking, and if I, went, if I went to a church, I'd go to your church. I don't have to do anything. That's why. Yeah. And I just started justifying and trying to rationalize. And I got found. This is stupid. That's my brother. I'm on his team. He's on my team. When he succeeds, I succeed. When people get saved in his church, it's blessing the kingdom of God. I don't want to stifle celebration. I want to rejoice. I want to I want to I want to I bless. I want to honor. I want to get excited when something good happens to my brother and sister. You know, I I I think I think we're okay when we're okay when somebody gets healed. We're really excited when a relationship gets restored. But when somebody gets blessed financially, somehow that triggers something in us. And we get, we get mad. Oh, I just got a $10,000 raise. And all of a sudden it's not, oh, praise God, oh, he's bragging. You know, somebody drives a new car on the lot and, and we just start all of a sudden. Well, they must not be tithing. They're in debt up to their eyeballs. We, this, just this, some reason when it becomes financial, and I don't want us to be like that. You know, if God's blessing my neighbor, he's in the neighborhood. So, hang on, he's coming my way. Let's get ex- let's get excited about one another's blessings. Let's let's celebrate together. Let's don't be envious and jealous and 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 and, and, and je- try let's just say, "Hey man, what a that's just great. God bless." Can we if you if you harbor bitter envy It'll destroy, it'll ruin. You know what envy also does? I'm staying on this point a little bit too long. I'm almost done. It keeps you in the crab basket. That's what Perry Noble says. Uh, he, he wrote a book, The Most Excellent Way to Lead, and one of the things is about uh, leading. Now, here, I just, let me just tell you this story. I gave him credit, but here's what he says. You put one crab in a basket, and you got to put a top on it. You put two crabs in a basket, take the top off, because every time one crab is about to get out, the other one will pull him down. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be the one that pulls him down. And that's what we're, oftentimes, we're like crabs in a basket and one of us starts succeeding. Well, I'll, I'll just put, I'll humble him. I'll help him. I, I'll, I'll get him back in his place. Man, I, it, we have all been blessed. We have all stood on the shoulders of other people. All of us. Today I am who I am because of a, go, a godly grandfather that served his God faithfully all his life, that served churches for 50 years, that taught the Word of God, that taught his five kids to love Jesus, that lived with integrity and lived with character, I've stood on his shoulders all throughout my ministry. I've stood on the shoulders of my father who raised two boys that love God, who served his country with, with honor, that, that loved his wife uh, it, it, regardless, that, that was true to his commitment and true to his word and, and taught me about character and, and keeping your word and, and being faithful. I've, I've stood on his... I'm standing on the shoulders of a man by the name of Gary Manis. Some of you don't, are not familiar with that name. Often... I get credit for planning Clover Assembly of God. And in essence it is it it is somewhat true. But the tr- the real truth is Gary Manis came ten years before I did. And he had a vision to start a church in the Chesterfield area and Colonial Heights. Assembly God sent him out, and he'd started church, and, and it was good and good for a season, and then some road bumps came, and, and they were just about to close the door, and, and that's where we stepped in, and we were able to, to bring a little life to it, but, but the reality is, I'm still living on his, I'm still helping fulfill his dream and his vision. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, now I feel like it's my turn for other people to stand on my shoulders, and that's where I want you to be. I want to help lift people. I don't want to pull them down. I want people to go further than I've gone and be better than I've been and do more than I've accomplished. I want to see the kingdom of God expand, not decrease. I don't want to pull people down. I don't want to push them up. That's got to be our hearts. It's got to be our desire. That's got to be our hope. Envy. Envy promotes the lie that life is fair. You know what a fair is? It's where you go to ride rides. Life is not fair. I mean, you just need to, you need to get that, that it's not, God gave some people two talents, some five, and some ten, it's not fair, Moses said, hey, some can lead thousands, some can lead hundreds, and some can lead tens, it's not fair, life is not about fair, that's why, that's why comparison is so bad. When I get to heaven, I'm not going to, God's not going to say, why didn't you preach like Billy Graham? Why didn't you lead like John Maxwell? Why didn't you de- dissect scripture like David Jeremiah? Why, why didn't you grow a church like, like Perry Noble? Why, he's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? Did you take the talent I gave you and, and, and allow me to, to use it for my glory? Or were you so wrapped up in the talents of others and what what you perceived they had and you didn't, that you missed out on your potential and didn't fulfill your destiny because of because of this this, this harbored bitter envy. It ruins everything. And God is saying, look, if we're the people of God, we got to squelch it. And we got to resist it. And we got to fight it. We, we cannot let comparison and jealousy reign and rule in our lives. It'll destroy us. Then he goes on to say, next thing, point number two, selfish ambition. It's, it's, it's a lot like the first thing, but selfish ambition, all, all that is, it's this elevation of self, that, that I'm better than, or I'm more important than, and it's all about, I am at the center of the world, and, and, and you need to bow to me, and, and I'm the most important thing, Paul said, don't do anything out of selfish ambition, or vain conceit, but in humility, and you know what humility is, it's not thinking less of yourself. Well, I'm a worm. I'm no good. I'm never going to make it. That's not humility. That's that's bad thinking. You are something. You you can be all that God created you to be. Humility is not thinking less of your, uh, thinking of uh, uh, less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. It's putting others before you. It's 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 honoring. People. Oh, let me open the door for you. Oh, let, you can have this seat. Oh, what do you prefer? What's your preference? What do you think? It, don't do anything out of selfish ambition, what I can get, what I can receive. But, but, but don't only look out, Paul goes on to say, don't look out just for your interests, but also look out to the interests of others. It's, it's, it's really selfish ambition. It, again, it's a first cousin of pride. It's this idea that I deserve, that I'm the one. And, and I, I, you know, you just got to know that there is a God and you're not him. And, and if you don't humble yourself, God will. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Pride ruins relationships. Pride destroys lives. Uh, there was a time not long ago where I preached and I thought I did a pretty good job that Sunday. And, you know, I was fist pumping and high-fiving. And, and I was the man. And bowed chest out. And I felt like the Lord said in my spirit, "Stand humble yourself or I will. You know, I, quickly, God forgive me. You're the one that gave me that message. You're the one that helped me to communicate that word. You're the one, Lord. It's not me, it's you. I'm just your mouthpiece. I'm just playing the potter's hand. I mean, there's some, if you, humble yourself before the mighty hand of God, the Bible says, so that he can lift you and exalt you up in due time. You, you want to ruin your relationships? You want to destroy uh, your, really your life? I, I, just harbor bitter envy. I mean, don't squelch it. Don't kill it. Always compare and always jealous of somebody else. Practice selfish ambition. It's all about me. I, I'm the most important thing. But then, and this is where we'll go quick. I, I know I'm, I got a lot of notes left, but this is where I really go quick. So again, you got it right now. So Paul, Paul says, okay, not Paul, James says, but this is how you're supposed to do it. You want to be wise in your relationship? Here's number one right down there at the, at the bottom. I will not compromise my integrity. He, and that's where I just got, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. The word pure means whole. It's where we get our English word integrity. It just means that you, you are who you are when no one's looking. Here's what, let me explain it this way. The Bible says a man of integrity walks securely. A man that, that is who he is and does what he says, I, not a perfect man, but, but, but seeks that, desires that, he's not looking over his shoulder all the time wondering what somebody's going to say or what somebody's going to do. A man without integrity, I hope they don't find out I cheated on that test. I hope they don't find out that I took the shortcut on that project. I hope they don't find out that I wasn't completely honest on what I just said. They're constantly looking over their shoulder. They're wondering if they're going to get caught. And the man of integrity walks securely. Again, God's not expecting perfection, but he does want us to be honest. He wants us to admit when we mess up. And that's not a sign of weakness, that's really a sign of strength. He wants to laugh when we, he wants us to laugh at our mistakes. Some of you are so serious about yourself, you can't laugh when you mess up, when you say something you shouldn't have said, or do something you shouldn't have done, or or when you, when you, when you trip, I mean, I, I came up the, I'm not gonna, I, I will tell you, I came up today, and I was about to walk out of the thing, and I just went to the bathroom, and thank God, my zipper was down, and thank the Lord I caught it before I got on this stage, and, and I, I mean, I just got so tickled. It was a, it was just fun. I don't even know what it has has to do with anything. It doesn't, but (laughs) I don't even know why I said that, but we've all, we've all been there, and I, I, I just, I want us to be real. If, if, if you, if you're better than, you know, if you think you're something that you're not, just just go on and be with Jesus. We're real people with real issues, serving a real God. And let's just be honest with one another. Let's be integrous with who we are. A man of integrity walks securely. Here's the next thing. I will not antagonize your anger. Okay, I, again, I want to be wise. And, and so, so don't harbor, don't harbor envy. Don't practice selfish ambition walk in integrity here here's another I will not antagonize your anger it, it just James just says it's peace love we've read all this so so you can you can connect in, and it's even in your outline and this is all James is saying I think if you know what makes somebody angry don't do it. it in the context of your relationship Angie does not like when I get home from the gym and I take off my sweaty clothes and leave them in the floor she doesn't like when I empty my pockets on the nightstand with dirty tissue and, and chewing gum wrappers and receipts. It, that, that, I mean, it always sets something up. So if I'm wise, I'm not going to do that. I, I'm going I'm to find out what angers my spouse, and then I'm going to make it my goal not to do those things. That's a wise person. If my employer doesn't like when I'm late, I'm not going to be late. If my neighbor doesn't like my dog to pee in their yard, I'm not going to let my dog pee in their yard. I'm not going to antagonize. Some. That's why Paul said, don't exaggerate your kids. Is that even the right word? Exasperate. Exasperate. That, see? Just laugh. It's funny. I've said a word, zip, you know, the whole thing. Exasperate. Don't, you know what that means? Don't make them angry. Don't, don't push them in a corner where they got to come out swinging. That's a f- Here's what the Bible says. A, a fool can start an argument. The wise thing is to stay out of it. Don't be reactive. Be proactive. Find out what the person doesn't like and then just don't do it. Man, that sounds deep. It, it's just, some of you want me to be deep. We need to more, know more Greek and more Hebrew. You, you just want to leave here not knowing what to do or what I just said. I'm not very deep. The Word of God... It's practical. It, it, it's, it's just don't antagonize anger. Here's another thing. I won't minimize your feelings because wisdom is considerate. It doesn't, you know, here's my response often if you're having a bad day. Suck it up. Get over it. Pull up your britches. Come on, man. Aren't you glad God's not like that? God says, come unto me, all, all who labor and are heavy burden, and I'll give you rest. God God says, I'm touched with the feelings of your infirmities. Therefore, you have direct access into the throne room of grace that you might find help and mercy in time of need. I care about your feelings as invalid or or as crazy as they might appear to me or to you in our perspective. Feelings matter because people matter. And it would be in my best interest to not minimize feelings but to try to understand feelings. Here's another thing. I won't criticize your suggestions. A fool thinks he doesn't need advice. A wise man listens to him. Some of us, and this, maybe this is where I struggle the most and I get convicted of, where I don't want anybody to tell me how to do things or what to do. I, I'm sometimes unteachable. We, we put up, and, and I had this, I, I, was, I got another illustration, but I'm not going to tell you that. <clears throat> I'll tell you later. I had this guy that I was working with. And he worked on staff here, and he uh, and, and let me find the scripture because this is what he quoted to me. And and I had to get him, and we had to have a confrontation. He wasn't doing some things right, and and I was I was a little bit concerned because I loved him. Not only was I his boss, but we were friends, and 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 I didn't want to hurt our relationship. I didn't want to hurt him, but I mean it had to come to this. And so we sat down and we discussed, and there was some confrontation, and there were some hard sayings, and. And we worked through it. And then he left. And, and about 30 minutes later, you know, I was worried about him. I, I, I'm thinking, you know, what, what's going to happen? And I came to him and he quoted me Proverbs 9, 8, 9. This is what it says. Do not, this is what he said. Pastor, do not rebuke a mocker or he will hate you. He went back to his office and found the scripture. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. Instruct a wise man and he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man and he will add to his learning. Pastor, thank you for correcting me because I just want to be wiser. I just want to be smarter. You know, that, that's a guy, he's moved on from here, and he is doing extremely well because all his ministries had a teachable heart. And, 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 and I just want us to be open to suggestions, open to, here's another thing. If I'm wise, I won't emphasize your mistakes. I'm going to rub it out and not rub it in. This lady, this man went home, and, and, and he told me, man, I went home, and I did something wrong. I knew I shouldn't do it. And my wife went Historical. I went, historical, don't you mean hysterical? He, knows, he said, no, historical. She brought up everything I'd done the last three years. <laughs> and, and, and if we're wise, we're not going to emphasize one another's love covers a multitude of sins. Love keeps no record of wrongs. And I, and I think this sometimes is a church where we, we really miss it. We want to hold others to a standard that we ourselves aren't able to keep. And when they miss it, we beat them up. And can I just again say, may this be the grace place, not where we compromise our convictions, our water down the gospel, not where we surrender the bar, our lower, our lower ourselves to the world. But when a brother or sister makes a mistake where they fall short a poor decision, acknowledge it, man, let's cover it with love. Let's embrace them. Let's, let's celebrate the goodness and the grace of God in their lives. Let's not rub it in. Let's rub it out. Here's the last thing. I won't disguise my own weakness. And and really, it's wisdom is impartial and sincere. It means hypocrisy. Again, and I've already said it, but I won't try to be something I'm not. So so here's here's the deal. I want you to take your outline. We're going to take communion. But but where is the Holy Spirit speaking to you concerning this? And just don't be a hearer of the Word. We've got to be a doer of the Word. And let the Word of God change you. Trevor, if you'll come back. As we're, let me pray. Holy Spirit, I just pray right now that, that you would begin to instruct us and teach us and lead us. Our hearts are open to you. We don't want to leave here unchanged. We don't want to leave here the same. God, we want to leave here with a, a personal application that we can begin to live out in our everyday life. So, Holy Spirit, we just say, speak to us. And then look at the outline. Where, where, where might be a struggle with you? Where might you need to, to have some adjustments? Let the word of God be a mirror and let it reflect. Do, do, have you compromised your integrity? Maybe you need to go and make it right. I've lied about this. I've done this. Might be the hardest thing you've ever done, but it, it's necessary that, so you can start afresh, potentially. Have you antagonized another person's anger? Are you a pot stirrer? Do you just stir things up? Or, or do you try to avoid an argument the best you can? Are, are you trying to, if it's all possible with you, to make peace with everyone? Are you just quick to spew and speak out? And, and you know it causes all kinds of trouble. Lord, help us. Are you minimizing other people's feelings? Well, they, it's just not even sane. It's not even right. It doesn't matter. They, if they matter, their feelings matter. Lord, help us not to minimize them. Help us to understand them. Maybe you're not allowed to open to suggestions. Lord, forgive us for that. That's just pride. Lord, forgive me for not seeking and heeding the advice of others. May, may May I allow people that I'm close to and that I love and love me speak into my life. Are you historical? Do you constantly bring things up? I want to be like Jesus who throws the sins into the sea of forgetfulness. Lord, help us. As far as the east is from the west. God, help us to rub out mistakes, not rub them in. And then that last point, do you disguise your weaknesses? Father, I realize at times I'm part of the problem, and I just ask you to help me. Help me to be wise in my relationships. Help me to be wise in my relationships. Now, last thing. I want mean, it's not the last thing. We're going to take communion. But the last thing in this part. Allow the Lord to bring to mind that maybe the most important relationship, your spouse, your kids, your boss, maybe not, maybe not important, but the, a relationship that's maybe even struggling, that's better, that you might be struggling with right now. Pray for them, pray over them, and ask the Lord to help you be wise as you desire to to be a peacemaker who sows in righteousness.